Hello everybody, it's me, Cameron, and I was joined here with Stanley and James. We were also joined by guest stars Nate Myers, a local saxophonist, and Ruby Vale of the Soul Phonics. So, sit back, enjoy this podcast on Atlanta and modern day music industry. Hello everybody, I'm here with um, Stanley. Hi. I'm here with Nate Myers. Hello. And I'm here with James. And, of course, myself, Cameron. Nate Myers, what genre do you really consider yourself? Jazz. 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 Why, why would you consider yourself in jazz? Well, I play the saxophone, and I know a lot of times the saxophone is associated with jazz, so just go ahead and stick with it. What does is, what is being like in that genre mean, really? To me, one best word to describe it is expression. In jazz, you can express yourself freely, a lot more freely than other genres where, you know, you have to be kind of structured, like you have to have that verse, hook, verse, chorus, and all that good stuff. In jazz, you can do free flow, you can freestyle, ad-lib, and things of that nature. Okay, okay, okay. Do you ever feel outshadowed by Atlanta's hip-hop culture? Not really. I feel like there's a, a lane for everybody, and um, sometimes, we can work together, you know. I, I work with hip hop artists as well, so I mean, it's, it's, I don't really feel that way. You know. How did you become popular, and what are your plans? How, how would you give advice to someone who's planning on getting there? Well, I, what I would say is, be yourself, create your own lane, and walk in it. Like, what's meant for you is meant for you. No matter what, can no, nobody can stop that from you. Can can stop you from, you know, uh, achieving the goals that you set. Only person that can stop you is yourself. Okay. Well, saying that, do you want to become more popular? I mean, I'm I'm pretty much at a place in life. I'm more concerned about financial stability and okay. things of that nature. I mean, but if I if I become famous or popular, that's fine. But I'm not. My life goal is not to have paparazzi chasing me everywhere I go. If I go to the gas station, it's paparazzi waiting for me. That's not my lifetime life goal. Yeah, yeah, I could have sworn I saw you about to say, of course, of course. How did you get to the point where you were successful enough to go on tours and things like that? Basically just networking. Um, I went to different open mic events in the town, in the city, and um, network with different people, build relationships, also marketing, social media, things of that nature, just taking advantage of everything we have today that's free. James? What are your tips for any aspiring Atlanta musicians? Once again, just be be yourself. Just be yourself. Do you. Nobody can do that but yourself. Who was your biggest influence coming up as a jazz musician? Different saxophonists such as Kirk Whalum, Gerald Albright, um, John Coltrane, um, Charlie Parker. The list goes on and on. But those are like my primary um, influences that I listened to growing up and actually like, you know, study. Okay. What was your main, what was the main reason you got into music? Well, I started playing in um, sixth grade in middle school band. And um, I grew up as a, a PK, which is better known as a preacher's kid. And I was in church all week, every other day. And um, I, I would see the musicians playing and I just wanted to do that. So I, I, I thought it was cool. And then of course playing saxophone, you know, getting the girls and stuff like that. So you know, at that time I thought that would happen. So. Um, what's your opinion on how jazz is doing now compared to how it was back in the day? 
it, it's evolved, but not in a bad way. It's just, you know, we're going with the times, just like hip-hop, you know. It has definitely evolved from, um, you know, Sugar Hill, you know, to Drake, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's no real comparison, you know. It's, it's just a different evolution, evolution. Did you struggle when you first started, like, in Atlanta trying to get popular as a jazz musician? I wouldn't necessarily say struggle, but it was. It took a lot of work, a lot of time and energy. Um, I had to sacrifice going out to jam sessions during the week, you know, late at night. I, I'm, I'm a father, a husband, so you know I have a lot of responsibilities. So it's like to take that, make the sacrifice to go out and do these jam sessions to network and stuff for free, you know, not making money, you know. So it, it, it was a process. It, it, I wouldn't say struggle, but it was hard. It, it, it took a lot of work. You're a father. Yes. You're a husband. Yes. You're also a um, <clears throat> Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, how do you really manage all of it? It's just time management. It's, it's, it's not it's not difficult. It's just all about managing your time. There's it's no um, secret formula or, you know, it's just all about how what's most important to you. You'll make time for what's important. Also, what platforms of music can we hear you on, Mr. Myers? Yes, I'm um, glad you asked. You can find me on my website at natemyersmusic.com. That's N-A-T-E-M-Y-E-R-S-M-U-S-I-C.com. Thank you again, Nate Myers, for coming Thank down. You. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And that was Nate Myers, local saxophonist in Atlanta, Georgia. Now we have Ruby Vale of Ruby Vale and the Sophonic. Hello, everybody. I'm here joined with Ruby Vale and Hi. James. One of my... Uh, questions is how was it to work with so many famous artists so I really think the best part the highlights of my career have been some of the artists I've gotten to work with which is a great question to start with off the bat because it makes me look really good so thank you for that um, but yes uh, I've shared the stage with people like Corey Glover um, also with Odyssey the hip-hop artist um, the Temptations where it was an amazing opportunity because you know they've been a band for 55 years so for my band of 13 years to see a legacy like that was truly sensational it's inspiring it keeps you going as an artist um, so you know we've shared so many bills with very big people in festival stages but it's a little different when it's just you and the artist sharing the stage together um, we've done that with Gary Clark Jr. as well so a lot of great people have influenced our sound uh, and shared the stage with us over the years. And I think it just makes us feel very lucky, fortunate, and, and happy to be sharing in, in the music making. And how did you get to the point where you are going on tours and accomplishing so much? Oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Uh, we're independent, so that whole journey has not come without its um, complete jumps off of cliffs and climbing up the side of mountains. Uh, it's a really long journey, but we've tried our best to only go on the road when we have an album coming out, so that way we can budget ahead of time for what it's going to look like. Uh, and then we try our best to promise our fans that, hey, you know, if we didn't get to you this season, we'll, we're definitely coming to you soon, and we just build it from a grassroots up kind of effort. Uh, so touring is something that is kind of a luxury, but also somewhat of a necessity. Uh, for a big band, it can be really difficult to do that. Uh, but I think we've accomplished so much by just leaning on each other's strengths and knowing that at the end of the day, we're a team. None of us does this alone. 
Um, even though I am a solo artist outside of the band, I still don't even do that aspect of my career alone. So I guess the answer here is uh, keep believing in the team and surrounding yourself with good people that can help you achieve. What are your tips for being noticed in Atlanta music industry for any aspiring music? Beautiful question, Cameron. My advice for anybody that's trying to get more noticed in the Atlanta scene is to show up. There are so many organizations such as Vox ATL, there's ATL Collective, there's uh, The Green Room and Elevate ATL and Reimagine ATL. Um, there are many, many opportunities to branch out in the creative community, no matter what you do, if you're behind the scenes of music, if you're a content creator, if you're an artist or a songwriter, there are outlets for you to get involved. Um, even with the National Recording Arts Academy, the Atlanta chapter is really active. Uh, so I would say the number one thing to get noticed is start meeting the people in your community. Eventually they're going to either come to your show or tell somebody to come to your show. Uh, that seems to be what has worked well with me is just building community. Do you want to become more popular? If so, what would be your plan of getting there? I actually am not an artist that's seeking an immense amount of fame. I think we are, and I've heard this from other thought leaders as well, there's a growing spectrum of, I'm not going to say, let's say middle tier artists, right? So we're not going for Beyonce levels, we're not going for Rihanna levels, but we're also not going for nobody knows us, we can't make any money from our music, we can't uh, thrive using our music, right? So where does that put you? It's, it's this middle state of living, thriving, surviving as an artist, and, ha and that takes a little bit different lens than being fed into something that's gonna give you a lot of popularity, like a big, big uh, music conglomerate or a large label. So what we're seeing is more than ever, this middle tier artist is independent, they're representing themselves, they're oftentimes creating their own content, uh, and that's where I like to be. I think that's where the action is, I think that's what um, can be a good testament to you as a business person as well. Uh, running a small business is a hop skip from running a band. It's literally the same thing. So if you can run a band successfully for a while, you can probably own your own product or go on to own your own media agency or something like that. So I just kind of think this middle tier of artists where we're at are the most creative, the most inspired, the most insightful, and there's less and less of that need to get to the pinnacle, so to speak. Who is your biggest influence going into music? Um, I would say is an amalgamation of two people, D'Angelo and Tina Turner, smashed together. That's kind of where I feel that I've taken the most inspiration in how to be so striking and powerful on stage, but also how to be subdued, sexy, sultry, um, really two sides of this coin of, of soul music. Um, and there's obviously so many people that came before that, Aretha Franklin, Otis Redding. Uh, but yeah, those two artists, I think, on stage for me are uh, kind of Shiva Shakti <laughs> energy. Okay. What basically genre you, you consider yourself in? So our genre, I have deemed uh, myself as Cosmic Soul. So we take conscious meanings behind things. We look into social injustice. We don't steer away from topics just because they're being set to a really good beat. Um, so this blend of conscious soul music, I think, is what gives it this cosmic, all-reaching element. Um, and then other than that, I'd, I'd like to say 60s, 70s era inspired sweet soul music from the South. That's pretty much what we do. Do you think R&B has evolved for the better? Well, not R&B, but like 
a cosmic soul. Yeah, sure. I do believe that soul has evolved. Let's see, for the better is an interesting thing, right? Because that's a very subjective thing. You have a lot of great music right now that is being recorded digitally that some would say is not legitimate music because it wasn't recorded analog and that was the era of soul music that was, you know, triumphant was that age of analog recording. But I wouldn't say that we're at any detriment to amazing soul bands. I mean, there are quite a few um, that transcend the, the retro band space, right? And they're doing their own kind of thing. And I'm really grateful that the Soulphonics and I have been able to do that as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm very optimistic about where it's going. I think more and more you, you hear those artists that just give you stank face, you know, and that's a really good thing. That's a classic move. If you're doing that, you're doing something right. Or chills test for me is always a good move. So honestly, it doesn't matter what genre we are in music. I like to be optimistic about that evolution instead of looking at the possibly hundreds and thousands of really bad tracks and, <laughs> you know, things that are out there. But that doesn't mean that, you know, Soulphonics and I won't write a bad track tomorrow. It can happen. What effect do you think you've had on Cosmic Soul? Wow. Cameron. Oh, man. Let me think about this. Um, what effect do I think I've had on Cosmic Soul? I hope that I've been able to bring some level of accessibility and authenticity to soul music. So obviously I'm not sitting here as an African American, but I was very, very, very influenced by soul music from a young age, and I do believe that all cultures have their form of soul music. So I think what the Soulphonics and I have been able to bring is just something authentic that truly shows our love and respect for the genre. Um, something that you hope every kind of inspired vintage band would do, but I think the ability to connect with people and bring this kind of modern feel to a very ancient sound is something that I'm very proud of and I hope has been received well. What platforms can we hear your music on? Oh, that's a great question. So you can hear uh, my solo music right now. I have three solo singles out. They've all been written for the commercial space, so they're getting licensed in different uh, commercials like Rakuten. There's one out there for that, for On the Basis of Sex, which is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg film. Came out in a trailer for that. So my solo journey has been about using this inspiration of ancient, meet mo ancient meets modern music in order to um, get the message out in a larger way to a larger audience. So all of that music can be found on Spotify on my page, Ruby Vell, V-E-L-L-E. And then the band can be found on RubyVell and the Soulphonics.com, on Facebook at RubyVell and the Soulphonics, online on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. We're basically everywhere under RubyVell and the Soulphonics. Um, and then if anybody can go and like our Spotify pages, it does a lot for the artists these days um, as far as algorithms and getting us onto playlists. So please go like RubyVell as a solo artist and then also the band RubyVell and the Soulphonics. And I will stop repeating my band name now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for thank coming you out so to the much. show. Thank you all so much. I'm really glad that you are doing this. Uh, Viva Vox. And that's all we have for today, folks. I'd like to give a special thanks to Nate Myers and Ruby Vale for coming in for that outstanding podcast that they gave us. And tune in every week for some new content on VoxATL.org. Have a great rest of your day and thank you for listening.